Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Hi gang, it's Greg Spencer with you once again in the podcast of Waystations Ministries. I've got a few things to tell you. We're going to, in the midst of change here at Waystations, one of the things is we're going to be revising and developing the uh, podcast, so we're changing our way a little bit with that. And uh, thought you might want to know what Waystations is. It's a variety of ministries to reach out and to uh, engage people. So a way station is a, is a place that you would stop along your journey, and we're providing a lot of different ways to do that. You don't go across the country and make only one rest stop. <laughs> so what we do is we're offering a variety of ways that we hope will be effective in helping people to feel better, to find a better path for themselves. And uh, that's what we're doing today. As a matter of fact, we're thinking about a way up, and we're going to explore that just a little bit. Uh, so the thing that we're running into is we often think that things will get better when others do something for us or if our circumstances change or if the situation changes. It's like that with the lotteries. If you see how many millions of people are buying lottery tickets, what it is is they're all hoping for something good. They're all looking up. They're all looking and hoping for something better, and they're all taking a chance to have that happen. Now, the value of buying a ticket like that is the enjoyment of the fantasy and the hope that you have. It gives you a little bit of anticipation, wow, if we were to win, how that would be, wouldn't that be great? And that is enjoyable for a little while, but I don't think it's the most effective way to deal with the anxieties and the tensions and the conflicts. In fact, it steps aside from them. What it's called is compartmentalization. And what we do is we let anxiety be in one place, we let anger be in one place, we let hope be in one place, and we do our lives like that. And the problem is that none of the bad things ever go away. We never get over them, we never lose them, we never give them up. We just hang on to them until it's time to trot them out and dwell with them for a while. So we need really a guidance, a positive view, but also a pathway that can help us to get past some of this stuff. How, many, how do we leave that behind? How do we rise above it, if you will? Is it possible that we can rise above it? Now, here's the thing. Scripture is a guideline for people that are trying to find their way. And that's what makes it so appropriate for way stations. And uh, the, the text that I'm going to be using today comes from the book of Ephesians. And it comes right um, from the first chapter, really. Uh, well, not really. It's verse chapter 4. <laughs> We're going to have to cut that, I think. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4 in verses 25 through 32. And it's a guideline that the Apostle Paul offers to say, you know, some of the things that you do and the way that you do them are creating the negativity that's consuming you. It's not just the circumstances around you, and it's not just the the tough people that you have to deal with. It's your own responses to it that can do that. Some people internalize it, and they get angry and upset, and they find that they can't sleep at night. Some people get very expressive, and they get angry and boisterous. Some people get physical, and they go out and smash dishes. Some people go for a walk. But none of that really does anything to deal with it. It just puts it aside for a while. So what Paul wants to talk about is you got to put it aside. You have to lay it down. And that's not exactly what we want to do 
For example, in verses 31 and 32, what he says is, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Well, we don't really want to do that, do we? There are people that are mean to us. There are circumstances that are outside our control and they're frustrating. There's anxiety that we've held on to or grief for a long, long period of time. And when someone treats us less than the best, we really want to do something in response to that. We want to react rather than to respond. It may seem right to us to do that. It may feel like that's an okay thing to do, but the negative stuff hurts them, but it hurts us too. And that's why I don't think it's a worthwhile thing to do. On the other hand, there's good stuff that you can do that blesses them and heals them and does the same for you. And it doesn't matter about their response. We're thinking about our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, how we're able to live and to live as well as we can. And if other people don't want to respond to that, if they don't want to participate in that, that's okay. That's their bag. That's not ours. The thing is, we do not want their stuff to ruin ours. And so if we can offer something good and something better that heals both and they want to ignore it, they don't want to recognize it, appreciate it, or accept it, that's their problem. That's not our problem. And, so, and this is true about uh, Jesus in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The, the spokesman for God had to offer their word, and there's a lot of people who didn't want to hear that word. But that didn't stop them from sharing the good news. It didn't stop them from sharing the offering of hope or the blessing of life. And Jesus said it this way, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. For those that have closed-minded, closed ears, closed minds, closed hearts, well, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about that. That's up to them. But if you're open and if you're willing, let me offer you a way that can make a big difference. So in other verses, beginning with verse 25, what Paul says to these early Christians who are trying to figure out their way He says, putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members one of another. (laughs) Well, these are days where we don't feel like we're connected to other people. These are days that we don't feel connected to anybody. Really, we're isolated. And that makes the intensity of our negativity grow even worse. We don't feel like there's someone else or a group of people that we can belong with where we're all focused on the same purpose or the same values. So it's hard to imagine that another person, as different as they are from us, are connected to us. I think they, they are. I think we are one species. I think we are one human family, and we just haven't learned how to grow up and how to treat each other really well. So maybe we could learn that. Maybe we can apply that a little bit. And this is what Paul's talking about. Be angry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. That happens. You shouldn't feel guilt for that. Where you do have responsibility, though, is not letting it get the best of you. You can't allow it. You can't afford to allow it to consume your heart or to consume your mind or to fill you up to overflowing with a bunch of junk. In other words, it's okay to feel the emotion, but then use your mind and your heart to find a way to deal with it and to respond to it so that you can overcome it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't hold on to it too long. And an awful lot of people do that. 
unless we get a particular result or a particular desire, we'll hold on to that anger or that bitterness or that resentment or that grief, uh, and we'll let it just stew inside us. It'll build up in our hearts. It'll build up in our minds. And sometimes it blocks us from seeing anything good. So you've got to do something with it right now. Don't put it aside. Don't ignore it. Don't try to suppress it. Just say, okay, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling upset. I really don't like this. Now, how can I live well in spite of it? How can I work around it? How can I get over it? How do I get under it? This is, this is the way stations thing too. There is always a way. There is a way to lay it aside, to put it down, to minimize it. And if we do, we'll feel so much better. And you know what that's like when you finally are able to be free of the, the stress or tension that you've got. Temptations come when we let our anger and our imaginations run. And so what we want to do is not allow them that freedom, not give them that power. One of the things I like to tell people, I don't enjoy it exactly, but uh, when people talk about others causing them such grief and such harm, what I remind them is that these negative people and these negative persons who are critical or attacking or fighting for their cause or fighting for their issue, and either you're with them or against them from their point of view, well, they don't really care much about you as a person, do they? They're concerned about their issue. Or they're concerned about their position. And so if you're with them, that's great. They are happy that you're with them, but that's about the end of it. If you're not with them, then they just get upset and turn and walk away and they ignore you. Well, that's not a person who cares that much. That's not a person who's concerned about your relationship together or working through things. That's a person who's looking for their own purposes and valuing their own thoughts and their own feelings. And if you support that, great. And if you don't, well, heck with you. <laughs> That's not exactly the best way to live. That's not the way to be. And so we don't want to give them that power and influence over us, particularly when they don't care. To allow that to happen is to destroy ourselves for their benefit. And who wants to do that? Now, he also says in verse 28, give up stealing. Labor and work honestly with your hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Do something that is productive. Do something that is well. Do something that is good. Very often, it is a, an encouraging thing to go out and do something physical that enables you to take your mind off. Sometimes it's music, but that's, unfortunately, when you have music playing, no matter what the music is, you're free to just let your mind wander. When you go out and do something physical, whether it's going for a walk or going to work out or uh, doing something with your hands or doing some building or a craft or something like that, it requires a little bit of focus and attention. And that little focus and attention gives you something positive to focus your attention on. It gives you something good to think about. And because you're enjoying it, you put your attention on that and it starts to diminish the negativity, at least for that little while. And start you, so you discover that you do have power to direct your thoughts, to control your feelings, and to direct your life. And that's a really good thing to be able to do. Now, I've taught this to other people and, and I often want to teach it in small groups or in uh, other kinds of ministries. Uh, particularly for persons who want to grow in their spirituality. The Roman Catholics have a principle uh, as they raise folks up from childhood on. And what that is, is if you've done some something wrong, you confess it. And they're given a phrase, a prayer, 
that they have to repeat so many times. And they do it over and over and over again. Now, Protestants have the Lord's Prayer, I guess, is the closest thing that they would expect everybody to know. But here's the idea. You get a thought or a phrase that reminds you of God and God's goodness, of God's presence with you in a time of need, of God's encouragement, of God's blessing, uh, something beyond yourself that is good and positive. And it's, it needs to be a phrase. It doesn't have to be a long sentence. Mine's pretty long, but most people don't. Um, it could be as simple as, I can do all things through God, Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4.13. And the idea is, I don't have to be defeated by anything. Now, if you get a phrase like that, what you do is you start repeating it to yourself. It's, it leads you into what's called meditation. And so what you're doing is you're thinking about a phrase that engages God with you in this particular situation and circumstance. It's very, very personal, and it's intimate, and you keep it to yourself, but you repeat it over and over and over and over again. And there's a story that goes with that. When I was back in graduate school, um, we were asked to meditate for 30 minutes. And uh, I don't know if you've ever meditated before, but we did this at every class session. At the end of the class, we'd all go to the chapel and we'd sit down in a circle and light a candle and put it in the middle of the room. And, and we had to be still and silent for 30 minutes. And we were expected to do that on our own when in between. Every single day, we had to do that at least once. Well, that was pretty hard. I'm an active guy. I'm a busy guy. And it's very hard to be still for me for 30 minutes. <clears throat> but I tried to be faithful. I try, started off with prayer. I said thanks for everything I could think of. I, I asked for help and blessing for every circumstance and situation and need from illness and injury to world crisis and natural disaster, everything I could possibly imagine. And I tried to say words of dedication, and I tried to pray for all everything I could possibly think of. I repeated the psalms that I knew. I repeated the prayers that I could offer. And I still had 27 minutes left to go. <laughs> that wasn't the best thing to do. But I learned this principle of repeating that phrase. And so I tried it. I started repeating that phrase over and over and over again. Now, you know what the discipline of that is? The first thing is it takes the busyness of your mind and it gives it something to focus on. And what you do is if you're repeating it over and over again, you'll mess it up. You'll, you'll screw it up here and you'll screw it up there. It won't be perfect. It won't be in the right sequence or you'll forget a word. And all that busy, frantic part of your mind gets focused on trying to get it right and trying to do it right every time. Now, what you don't realize is the spiritual part of that has nothing to do with the words. It has nothing to do with your thoughts of trying to get it straight. What it's doing is getting the busyness of your mind out of the way so that the Holy Spirit can engage your heart. And it took weeks for me. I did it every day. And I think it was about week six or seven, somewhere around in there, that I remember I was going through my routine of praying the Lord's Prayer and everything I could think of and reciting the Psalms and praying for Thanksgiving and praying for others and all that stuff. And then I went into my repetition mode. And all of a sudden, um, the instructor said, okay, it's time to close. And I couldn't understand it. I thought, what happened? Is there a fire? Do we all have to leave? Is there something happening? I didn't hear an alarm. What's going on? And I looked down at my watch and discovered that 30 minutes had passed, where once three minutes seemed like it took forever. Now, 30 minutes passed in an instant. Now, that told me something about the eternal life, which I'll talk about another time. But in this case, what, it dis what I discovered is by getting the busy part of your mind out of the way, 
you make room for God to connect to your heart, to connect to your soul, to lift your spirit, and to set you free. It's hard to imagine that until it happens, and it takes a lot of work and discipline in order for it to happen. But when you do, you start to discover that it is not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to it. It's not about what happens around you, but the principles and values and quality of life that you want to have regardless of the stuff around you. Because people are different. And not everyone is going to come around to one way or another. There's always going to be differences of opinion and thought. So what we don't want to do is allow those wills and whims and winds to carry us in all kinds of different places and live in chaos. We want to live a solid quality life that we know we can appreciate and enjoy. And if others want to participate in that, that's great. And we'll love it and cherish it and cherish them. And we'll wish the best for them and we'll offer the best we can to them, whether they accept it or recognize it or whatever. If they choose not to, again, that's their problem. But when it comes to me, I've got a choice. Do I want the favor of someone that doesn't care for me, doesn't like me, doesn't really regard me in any way, and doesn't care what happens to me? Or do I want the favor and the smile of God who gave me life in the first place, who sustains my life with every beating of my heart, who brings the good people into my life as well, who gives me the blessings every single day, and the more I see, the happier and more grateful I become, I would much rather have the smile of God. (laughs) In the end, what you really don't want to do is tick off God. You don't want to do that. I remember there was a preacher by the name of James Weldon Johnson who wrote poetry, and one of the things he said is, your arms are too short to box with God. I love that idea. So what he says in verse 31 is, Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander and malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God has in Christ has forgiven you. Bottom line is this. When we harm others, we harm ourselves. When we bless others, everybody benefits. Now, I like to tell the story of a situation that I had when I was coming out of church one day. As a pastor, as a leader, you don't even have, it doesn't have to do with religion. It's anybody in leadership is going to be facing criticism and complaint and, and hassle all the time. It's a, it's a lonely place to be. And if you learn how to accept that, you can learn how to deal with it. In this particular case, there was somebody who was upset about something. I really don't remember what their anger was. But what I do remember is they were attacking me as we were coming out of a worship service. And uh, in that particular church, there was a set of stairs outside the, the big doors, and a number of people were gathered around talking to each other. And it was kind of a happy time, but this person just laid into me, just just yelling and screaming. And I really don't remember all the stuff that they were upset about. But it really didn't matter because they were so caught up in their anger, they weren't going to hear anything anyway. They didn't want a response that would be positive. They didn't want to hear me uh, give an answer that they could accept. They were there to criticize and to attack and to undermine and to blow up. Now, I realized that, and I realized more important was all the people around, all the people that were on the stairs, the people that were coming out of the door, the people walking up and down the sidewalks, the people that were driving by, they could easily see the anger and animosity of the opponent. But then they're looking to see, okay, how is the pastor going to respond to that? How does a Christian respond to the negativity and criticism and, and pain and grief that people want to impose on them? How does this faith 
make a difference for a people who for the person who chooses to follow it. And so I was thinking more about the witness to the other persons who were wondering. Why? Because those people often face criticism too. They face the rejections and the arguments and the pain and the, the harsh things being said. And they'd like to know if faith does make a difference. Because if it does, I want more of it. I want to be able to withstand those attacks. I want to be able to overcome my anxiety and my tension. So I'm looking to see. And so I didn't say anything in response to the violence that this person was imposing on me. When they finally calmed down enough for me to respond, what I said is, I'm sorry you feel that way. And they just turned away, slammed the door of their car, and drove off. It was months and months later that a couple people came up to me, not at the same time, and they, in their own way, said, you know, I was really glad to see how you responded to that. I didn't know how to deal with those kinds of things in my life. But seeing how you didn't allow it to stop you and you didn't collapse underneath it gave me strength in how I face my life. And that's what faith is. It's a way of showing how to rise above. It's a way up. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Not to those who don't. That's their problem, but it is for those who do. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but make the Spirit proud. Put away the bitterness and the wrath and the anger. Put all that stuff away and be kind as God has forgiven you. Now, I don't know if you have faith or not. I don't know if you have accepted any kind of uh, belief in a personal God. But here's what I'd like to offer. A God who created an entire universe that is so massive that we are less than insignificant. But according to the word that's lasted for centuries, thousands of years, millennia, that God knows us by name gave us our life, sustains our lives, is engaged with our lives, brings good things into our lives on a daily basis, and cares very much about the outcome. Now, there would be no reason for God to do that, except that God loves. So if God loves and cares for us, what he's doing is showing us a way up, a way to cheer up, a way to build up, a way to climb up, so that we don't have to be held down, pushed down, broken down, or lost. No, no. God cares enough to show us the way, to give us the way, and helps us along the way. And that's where we get encouragement from those that we love and people that we choose to talk to. It's where we see joy. Now, this day, as I was coming into the studio, I was driving across a, uh, some hills, and the sun was shining, and the breeze was blowing, and it was gorgeous. By the time I got to the studio, dark clouds had covered over the top and the, the warmth was gone, the wind was blowing more firmly, and the rain started to fall. Now I can say, oh, how terrible the rain came, or I can say how great it was to see the sun. The choice between looking up and looking down makes all the difference in how you're going to feel. It makes all the difference in who you're going to be and the kind of witness that you're going to make to the people in your life. I always like to think of it this way. If I can do some good, then they are blessed, and so am I. There is joy in heaven by those who see the kindness, the good cheer, the blessings that we offer to one another, and they celebrate that 
In our world, we don't see a lot of it in the media. We don't see it in our leaders. We don't see it um, in the, the big issues. What we see is conflict. We see people battling each other, fighting for causes, fighting for issues. And what we find is if we can be kind, it helps everybody to feel better. We offer good and everybody benefits, even if they don't know it, even if they don't receive it, because we can see the good that's happened to them. And we can feel the joy and the smile of heaven and God himself for the good that we have done and the person that we've chosen to be. And we've not allowed ourselves to be defeated by the lousy. So let's look up. Let's cheer up. Let's climb up. Let's build up. Let's make our way up because up is good and down. Well, let's leave that behind for a while. I thank you for your time this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope if it is that you're sharing it with others. And uh, we'll let you know a little bit more as we come together again. I thank you again for tuning in to this podcast. It's one of Waystation's ministries. and one of the ways that we can make a difference. One of the ways we can help each other along the way. And that's what it's all about. Have a good week. Take care. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.